turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable. Knowing that you cannot find them And if you listen carefully and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear that sound. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. God here says, change your ways and your doings, or your deeds, your actions. But he's saying here, more than just a change of behavior, you need to change your mind. You need to change the way that you think. You need to think differently about things. And in the Bible, this is what true repentance is. True repentance begins with a change of mind. Changing the way that we think. Changing the way that we view things. Today, Pastor Dan will remind you that God does care about our actions. But He also cares about our thoughts. Oftentimes, we can come to pride ourselves on our lack of wrongful action in a situation. Maybe we didn't swear at the bad driver in front of us, or maybe we didn't yell at our child when they disobeyed. And yes, those things are important. But what about your thoughts? Are your thoughts just as sinful as the actions that you pride yourself on not doing? The Bible calls us to take every thought captive. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Well, Jeremiah chapter 7 is called uh, the Temple Sermon uh, by most commentators because this is a sermon that Jeremiah the prophet gave in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, If you look in verse 1, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, that's the temple, and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. And so the Lord, God, instructed Jeremiah the prophet to to stand in one of the gates of the temple and proclaim this message to the people that are entering into the temple uh, to worship the Lord. Uh, It's likely that Jeremiah preached this message during one of the three great feasts of the Jews. Uh, Passover, Pentecost, or Tabernacles, when the crowd would be the largest there at the temple. Uh, And and it's easy to imagine Jeremiah standing in one of the gates of the temple with the crowd of people, you know, going in and coming out, passing by as Jeremiah is declaring this message. You can imagine maybe some in the crowd stopped for a few minutes just to listen to what this guy is saying what he's talking about, and that kind of thing before they went on about their business. Uh, This is not uh, the only time that God will tell Jeremiah to go to a specific location and preach. Uh, We're going to see again in Jeremiah chapter 17 
that the Lord will tell Jeremiah to go once again to the temple. Uh, In Jeremiah 19, he'll tell him to stand in the valley of Hinnom and preach. And the valley of Hinnom was a place of idolatry, idol worship. Also in Jeremiah 19, he'll he'll tell him to uh, go back to the temple once again and stand in the courts of the Lord's house and preach. Uh, In Jeremiah 22, he'll tell Jeremiah to go to the king's house, the king's palace, and preach. Uh, And in Jeremiah chapter 26, again, he'll tell him to go once again to the courts of the Lord's house and preach. Uh, One of the things that we see with Jeremiah is we see God's relentless pursuit of his people, uh, especially when they're backslidden. God just continues to pursue. He continues to go after his people and call them back to, to himself and You know, the Bible says he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance and salvation. And we see him just pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and not giving up. And he he sends the prophet Jeremiah to the people again and again and again to preach to them and to to call them to repentance, to call them to turn back to God. In verse three, we see. The Lord's message to the people of Judah. This is the message that Jeremiah declared to the people as they were coming into the temple. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. The Lord said, uh, he said this to people that were going into the temple. He doesn't, he doesn't have Jeremiah to stand outside of a bar and declare this to people going in and out of a bar. He has Jeremiah standing in the gate of the temple. And he's calling people that are going into the temple to amend their ways. He's calling people that, uh, that, are, that are religious, uh, that are actively religious, going to the temple to worship God. And he's telling them that they need to amend their ways. And and notice here again in in the verse that the Lord says, amend your ways and your doings. And now to us, that sounds like the same thing. To amend your ways and your doings. So what's what's the difference? Your ways refers to your thoughts. How you think about things, how you think about life, how you think about right, how you think about wrong. And God here says, change your ways and your doings or your deeds, your actions. But he's saying here, more than than just a a change of behavior, you need to change your mind. You need to change the way that you think. You need to think differently about things. And in the Bible, this is what true repentance is. True repentance begins with a change of mind. Changing the way that we think. Changing the way that we think view things. We have a change of mind, and then that change of mind, it leads to a change of of behavior. It results in a change of action. And so he says here, amend your ways and your doings. You know, if you amend your ways, if you change the way that you think, then you'll change the way you behave. And here's the promise that he makes. Look at the verse again. He says, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. I will cause you to dwell 
in this place. And then in verse 4, do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. The people of Judah believed as long as they had the temple, God would never judge them. And they treated the temple as kind of a security blanket, or they treated the temple as a, as a good luck charm, or a lucky rabbit's foot. As long as we have the temple, we're safe. As long as we have the temple with us, we don't have to worry about God judging us, no matter what we, what we do. And then they, they believe that God would never uh, destroy his temple, and so he'll never destroy them. And so the temple, the physical temple in the, in the city of Jerusalem, it gave them a false security. And there are many people today that are, are religious and they have a false security. And they believe that God will not judge them because they go to church or because they were baptized or because they were confirmed or because of whatever. And they have all these, these, these reasons why they believe that they'll escape the judgment of God, and none of those things can save them. You know, Jesus even warned of many people that will come to him and say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus will say to them, but I, I depart from me, I never knew you. you know, this false sense of security. The only way to be saved is through repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only real security. You know, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If I try to stand on anything else other than the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, it's sinking sand. And the people of Judah, they had this false security that they believe that because they have the temple, nothing is going to happen to them. If you remember in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, if you remember the disciples, they were admiring the, the temple and how grand and great it is, And then Jesus declared to them that not one stone would be left upon another. The entire temple would be destroyed and torn down stone by stone. And remember the disciples, their question was, when will this be? When will the end of the age be? They associated the destruction of the temple with the destruction of the world. Because in their minds, there's no way the temple could be destroyed unless it's the end of the world. And, and uh, in Jeremiah's day, they had a very kind of s- similar idea. And we're, we're not going to be judged. Nothing's going to happen to us. We have the temple. The temple is here. This is where people come to worship God. Nothing's going to happen to us. He goes on in verse 5, For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, and then he, he explains what that looks like, If you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. So he's talking about judging righteously. If you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, those would be the the most vulnerable people in society. And do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods. Notice what it says to your hurt. And walking after other gods is to your hurt. It's, it, it's to your injury. It only hurts you. You know, uh, other gods can't change you. Other gods can't help you. Other gods can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can change you. He can make you a new creation. 
and transform you and give you a new mind and a new heart, a new life. Only Jesus Christ can help you. He gives us the Holy Spirit as our helper. And only Jesus Christ can save us. There's only salvation in Christ. And they're, they're going after these other gods to their own hurt. And he says, if you do not do these things, then, verse 7, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I give to your fathers, that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. And we see here, you know, God, God clearly cares about how we treat one another. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. And he, he talks about not oppressing the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, shedding innocent blood, executing righteous judgment. God cares how we treat others. And when, when there's true repentance, that true repentance will affect how we treat other people. You know, Jesus was once asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love your Lord, to love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, and all, all your strength. And then he said, and the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And when he said the second one is like it, he, what he means is the second one is connected to it. If you truly love God with all of your heart, you will demonstrate that by the way that you treat your fellow man. By your love for other people. That's how we show our love for God. And so those two commandments are, are connected to each other. Judah's love at this point, their love for God has declined. And, and along with that, so has their care for their fellow man. They correspond with each other. So as, as their relationship with the Lord God declines, their treatment of their fellow man declines. He goes on to say, Behold, you trust in lying, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Uh, if you remember back in chapter 5, verse 31, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power and my people love to have it so. They love to have it that way. They, they liked the false security. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? These are all each part of the Ten Commandments in verse 9. And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. The, the people repeatedly violated the Ten Commandments. And he, 
He mentions six here specifically that they violated in verse nine. And then they would still go to the temple. They would go to the temple and they would worship God and they would make their offerings to God. And and again, they believed as long as they went to the temple. It doesn't really matter what they do away from the temple. As long as they continued to go to the temple and make the, the prescribed sacrifices and keep the feasts and keep the rituals, it, it doesn't matter what they did away from the temple. And again, there are some people today that think, you know, it, do, it doesn't really matter how they live or what they do away from church, that they can do whatever they want away from church as long as they still come to church and they worship and they show up. That God just accepts them. And God accepts what they're doing. God accepts how they're living. The Bible says, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And how, how we live the other six days of the week matter to God. They matter. He's concerned about them. The people of Judah, they were committing abominations. But then they would go to the temple they would make offerings to God and they thought that, uh, that, that their behavior away from the temple had no effect on their relationship with God. And look what God says here in verses 9 and 10. He says, you do all these things and then you think that you can come to my temple and stand before me and I accept you and I just accept what you're doing. He says, has this house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Now, a, a, a den of thieves was where thieves would hide out when they weren't out uh, committing robbery. So a den of thieves is the hideout for the robbers. And here God says, uh, you know, you, you, you've made the temple a den of thieves. They made the temple a den of thieves by, by going out and committing sin and what are uh, what were abominations in God's sight. And then they came to the temple and they made their their ritual sacrifices and the worship and everything. And, and they thought we're safe. We're safe with God. Because we're here at the temple. And they, they would go out and do their thing and come back to the temple. And because they came back to the temple, they thought they were safe, like like the temple was a get out of jail free card or something like that. And God here calls them out on it. God says, you really think that you, you can just go out and do that and then you come back here? And because you come back here, it's safe. You're safe. You're safe from judgment. You've made my house a den of thieves. Now, Jesus quotes this verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 11. He quotes this verse in the Gospels when he's talking about the corruption that was in the temple in his day. And he quotes this verse uh, in Matthew 21, verse 12, when he cleansed the temple. It says, then Jesus, this is Matthew 21, 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He didn't turn over the tables of those who sold doves because the doves were in cages on the tables. 
he turns over the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then listen to this. After he cleansed the temple, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And what they would do, the, uh, the, the religious leaders in Judaism, during the, they were the ones who ran the operations there at the temple. And they sold animals for sacrifice and they exchanged money so people could make uh, the offering, the shekel offering at the temple. Uh, but during the great feasts, the, the three great feasts, when you know, millions of people would make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, and they would need to expand their operation, what the priests would do is they would expand out into the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles were to go to worship God. And they would set up all of their booths and all of their tables in the court of the Gentiles to sell the animals for sacrifices and and the money changers and all of that. They would just kind of take over the court of the Gentiles so that the Gentiles then didn't really have a place that they could go to to worship God. And Jesus now, he goes into the court of the Gentiles and he cleans all of that out. And I love what it says that once he cleansed the temple, Then the lame and the crippled came to Jesus. They could finally come in. There was room for them now. They came in and Jesus healed them. Jesus quotes this verse, verse 11. And he accuses the religious leaders of, of making the house of God a den of thieves. So look at verse 11 again. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. The Lord sees everything. Nothing's hidden from his sight. He sees what's going on. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, And see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. The people of Judah thought that God will never judge them because they have the temple. God's never going to destroy his temple. And so they're safe. And the Lord here says, go to Shiloh. And see what I did to Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was the place where Israel set up the tabernacle under Joshua. Once they came into the land, they set up the tabernacle at Shiloh, uh, which, was, um, which was in Ephraim, about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, and Shiloh became the religious center of all of Israel, and it remained the religious center of Israel for almost 400 years. For almost 400 years, the tabernacle remained there at Shiloh, beginning from the time of Joshua all the way to the time of 1 Samuel. Shiloh was the place of worship. Shiloh was where the tabernacle was located. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was located. That's where people would go to keep the feast. That's where people would go to make sacrifices and worship the Lord. They would go to Shiloh. He asked 
The book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack.